0: Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, January 19th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going for you today, Jeff?
1: Going okay, Rod. I'm feeling a little reflective tonight. Reflective? Yeah, that might be the word for the night. Reflective. Maybe, maybe a little preachy, a little judgy, but we'll see.
0: Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll Fair see warning. where that goes. We'll see where that goes. And we have a guest with us tonight, all the way from Canada, Scott Brady. Scott, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, sure That's for sure. thing. So uh, let's uh, let's get your Twitter handle out there, Scott. It's at Scott BC. Um, you want to say what the BC stands for?
2: Oh, that's uh, that's a secret, man. Can't reveal it all right now.
0: Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, we can uh, we can just move on then. <laughs> we, might,
2: we might get to that later on. That's fine. No problem.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start up by uh, talking about our Blitz beverages. Everybody's got a drink in front of them, and <laughs> um, not necessarily a bottle. I don't have a bottle. Uh, maybe you guys do. I'll let Jeff finish that joke off when it gets to him. Um, Scott, yeah. what, what are you drinking?
2: I'm drinking a uh, dry hopped IPA from uh, Merritt Brewing in Hamilton, Ontario.
0: Excellent. Is, is that something you always drink or uh, something new for you tonight?
2: Well, I've had it a couple times, but uh, my sister picked me up a mini growler for Christmas, so I just noticed you guys were uh, into the beer talk, so I saved it for this show.
0: Excellent. So you're working your way through a growler. Well, many growlers.
2: Many one. We'll, we'll see if we get through it all. I don't know about that, but see
0: it's what like happens. 30, 32 ounces or so? Something like that? or
2: Probably about that, yeah. Probably about a pitcher. Maybe a little more. Okay, cool.
0: Cool. And uh, Jeff. Jeff, what do you have?
1: Well, I thought I'd splurge tonight and, and have my my traditional Michelob Ultra. Um, but more importantly, my son picked me up the uh, big 28 ounce jar of uh, Ute's Sourdough Special Pretzels. So I'm kind of doing a two for one here. Um, you'll hear me crunching on the pretzels and then washing them down with the Mic Ultra.
0: You've worked your way a few of, few of those jars of pretzels in your lifetime, haven't you? It's, it's by far my favorite snack, as you well know. Yeah. <laughs> excellent well guys i just want a little something light tonight so i'm drinking a founder's rubeus the the, uh, raspberry ale which uh which i've talked about before it's just very light um it's it's not super beer like but uh it's a nice nice subtle drink and something i wanted to kind of just relax with tonight so so uh glad we're all enjoying tonight let's, uh, let's move on to our next little segment here. And Scott, we're going to turn it over to you. And give us yeah. a chance to talk about, uh, talk about how you became a Browns fan and, you know, anything you want to share about your Browns journey. So the floor is yours.
2: All right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe a little different than uh, a lot of Browns fans. Um, So I'm 29 years old and, about three, four years ago, I want—I wasn't a lifelong football fan or anything. It was something I'd always been a little interested in, but uh, wasn't totally sure how to break into it. In uh, 2017, I moved in with a good buddy of mine. We'd been friends for a few years, and uh, he was a Browns fan. This coincidentally was the 0-16 season that I moved in with him. Um, so, you know, he'd have the games on and uh, told me stories, told me the history. You know, I like a team with... a uh, with a nice nice history to him. Uh, I'm also a big fan of an underdog story. So he told me, you know, this team, Cleveland Browns, they went uh, 1-15 the year before. They don't have a logo. You know, they were sold off in the 90s, had to make a comeback. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Let's do this. I don't know uh,
0: what about all that
2: information made me sign up. but
0: uh... <laughs> In the midst of an 0-16 season, man.
2: Yeah,
1: and that's when so I—that's when I uh, You're into reclamation projects, apparently.
2: Seemingly so, yeah. Is that true so, with your your
1: your relationships and and your employment and and everything in your life, or just your sports teams?
2: I mean, I'm I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, so I mean, I'm used to uh, not winning. I guess that helped <laughs> out in my selection. My selection. <laughs> <process>. <laughs> I've never known that that sweet taste of victory, so nice. Uh, so yeah, watched a handful of games within that year. It was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Started to get to know the game of football, understanding the rules. Uh, I mean, as someone who didn't really watch it much, it is a bit of a complex sport to uh, break into. The rules can be a little confusing and
0: so. Yeah, there, there are some of us who have watched it for a long, long time who are still trying to figure out some of those rules.
2: (laughs) That makes (laughs) me feel a little better then. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Something gets called and we're year. like, "What?" Yeah. Yeah. They change every year. Well, yeah, they like do. A, like yeah, that, that's part of the issue too. They they make rule changes and 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 uh, and then it's not only hard to keep up with those changes, but then it's kind of the interpretation
2: of what they do right. with it, too.
0: Hopefully, we'll have another rule right. change this off season.
2: Maybe uh, challenging yeah. head-to-head contact. Right. Yeah, Rebuild,
1: making it review. We can talk about that later. But yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, going to talking about that. <laughs> so yeah, so, uh, going on, you know, I watched watched a handful of games with him. Uh, the 20, 2017 year, the 0-16 year. Uh, 2018, watched probably every game of the season. And uh, a big thing changed for me. Went to... Uh, Went to First Energy December 23rd of that year. Saw the Browns beat the Bengals, and then I was all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a tailgate in the Muni lot. Saw the Browns win at home. That's that's when it was all in for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting that experience and just being a part of the... I mean, it's just a part of the, of the fans. You know, I mean, I'm not really phrasing that properly, but just you know, just, just feeling like you're a part of, you know, a part of the group that's there rooting the team on and everything. Once you feel that, yeah, it's, it's really tough to not, you know, or to, to not want to be a part of that, you know, it was unreal. Good. Yeah. 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 Like unlike great. any
2: atmosphere I've, I've been a part of. And then, uh, you know, going into 2019, just like so much hype, uh, was a hundred percent behind the team Went actually that year, same, uh, Same friend of mine, Tyler, who I lived with in Hamilton, um, went with to the home opener against the Titans with him, his old man who got him into the Browns, and his brother. So there were a whole family of Browns fans here. Went to the uh, home opener with them. Had her hearts broken, obviously, by the Titans that year. Went into it with such high hopes that season. Uh, Still had a great time. Uh, Hung around Cleveland for a day after and went to Great Lakes Brewery. Went to Sokolowski's, I think that's what it's called, the uh, University Inn. Just got to uh, hang out in Cleveland a little bit. Uh, obviously, 2019 was what it was. Um, yeah. And then I'm, I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about that in the past. Um, and then this year, it's just unreal. Just had a great time being a Browns fan this year, and I'm, I'm in it for life now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that Titans game was, uh, that was a tough game. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a tough yeah. game. Not what anybody expected, uh, th- th- that game that you want to. But glad that you enjoyed it. Glad you enjoyed the trip to Cleveland.
2: I think um, it was like the largest range of emotion I've experienced in one day from being like so high up at the beginning of the day to just progressive decline throughout the day. But all in all, it was a good uh, time.
0: Oh, football do that to you. And the Browns, oh. you know, of, of the past at least will do that to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I I've, I've I've taken the time to get to, get to know some of the past. Not that I'm going to claim to have experienced it or anything, but
0: uh yeah, you're right. no that that's great. That's great. So, um in your uh in your tenure so far, who are some of your uh who's some of your favorite players?
2: Big fan of Nick Chubb. Uh just love his demeanor on and off the field. Miles Garrett, huge Miles Garrett fan. Um and then this year really sold me on Baker Mayfield as well. I think Baker's the guy.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right. So the Browns played their second playoff game on Sunday, second playoff game of the season. Uh, it's still kind of uh, hard to believe. Um, yeah, maybe I'm. You know, maybe that's. Maybe that's looking at things wrong, but hard to believe that the Browns advanced to the second round of the playoffs under a rookie head coach, but they, they did. Played the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, lost a close game 22-17. Jeff, let me give you first, uh, how, how was it for you watching this game? I mean, what were you thinking as you're sitting down to watch this game? What what were your emotions, and what were you, you know, how were you How are you looking at it?
1: Well, you know, after the big win in Pittsburgh, which we really haven't talked a lot about, um, I guess, you know, the emotions were high. We we felt a sense of accomplishment. Uh, But I'll be honest, going into this um, Kansas City game, I kind of had a a sense of dread. Um, I didn't feel very confident that we were going to be able to hang with the Chiefs offensively. Um, I knew our defense wasn't going to win the game for us, so I, I figured we had to put a lot of points on the board. And, um, mentioned right before the game, and you and I agreed that we were probably going to have to score 40 or 45 points to win.
0: Um,
1: so I, all in all, I, I didn't feel real great about it. I, I was super pumped that, you know, we're in the playoffs and we've made it to this round and, and you know, the, how far this team has come and everything, but just as far as the contest itself, I didn't have a real good feeling going into the
0: game. Yeah, about about the Browns' chances to win, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, how about you, Scott? How were you? How are you looking at this game? Are you looking at this game like, hey, we got a shot to win this? Hey, we made it this far. Whatever happens, you know, it's great. You know, what were you thinking as you're sitting down and watch this game?
2: Yeah, so I'd say early on in the week, I felt uh, like whatever happens, happens. Uh, I didn't I didn't know if they'd make it that far. So I was just kind of happy with uh, where where they had already come. And I was like, whatever happens, happens. Then moving on, as, as every day went on, I was like getting more confident that, that maybe they could pull it off. Uh, game day, uh, I was I was thinking there was a chance. I don't know what it was, but uh, I would agree with Jeff. I knew the defense wasn't going to win it for him, but uh thought they'd have to put up a lot of points as well. But my, my confidence grew and I was, I wasn't overly confident, but I was, you know, wasn't thinking we were, there was no chance.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I was kind of the same way. I figured the Browns had maybe, you know, 20, 25% chance of winning this game just because of, just because the Chiefs are so, so hard to stop on offense, and I I really thought the Browns defense was going to have a rough time making stops. So I assumed the Chiefs were going to go out there and just you know roll up a bunch of points, and and so I figured the the Browns would have to have to match them and kind of have to win on a last possession something like that. So uh, as it turned out, it wasn't that kind of game. Uh, you know, first uh, first half. Browns. Browns just really couldn't get anything going on offense. Uh, Chiefs, Chiefs seemed to move the ball at will, but somehow still only ended up with 19 points in the first half. It seemed like they should have had like 28. Uh, but they, they only had, so they're up 19, 19-3 at the end of the first half. And we will we will talk separately about the big play guys. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, at at this point, I'm thinking 193. You know, I mean, the Browns, you know, the Browns still had a shot at that point, and this is still a relatively low-scoring game. And then you look at the second half, and the Browns, you know, Browns had scored the Chiefs, and it just wasn't quite enough. So, um, the thought that the Browns could win this game with 23 points, it's just to me, it's Flat out amazing, and I know there were circumstances and everything, but it's n- it did not turn out to be the kind of game that I think anybody would have expected. I think it, you know to hold the Chiefs under thirty points, regardless of who was on the field, and for the Browns to only score seventeen, you know, I don't think this was in any way, shape, or form the kind of game we thought we were going to see.
2: So, let's, yeah, I think. Uh, I think I- everyone expected a higher scoring game
0: yeah yeah i think so
2: um
0: it, let's let's just get into it guys and then we'll get back to the game the game and other points this game came down to the restarting okay it's just did. so let's just talk about this first okay it's at the end of the first half everybody knows what happened. he reached out he just it's uh, um, hit when uh, Sorensen lowers his helmet, its helmet to helmet contact. Higgins fumbles the ball out of the end zone because of the hit, most likely. And the stupid rule which, which gives the, the the other team the ball when you fumble it out of the end zone takes effect. And the Browns not only don't get the touchdown but' can't, they, they lose possession of the ball too. So there's so much happening with that play. I mean, all I could think there is that the Browns score. You know, they're they're down instead of 19 to three, they're down 19 to 10, assuming they kick the extra point, and they're getting the ball to start the second half. So that is such a huge swing. Uh, it, but, it
1: was actually 16-3 when that play took place, right? And then. When they turned it over, Kansas City kicked another field goal right before yeah, halftime. So yeah, you're right. You're so right. you're you're really only down, assuming you, you score a touchdown from the one, and, or even if we get the ball to twenty, um, you know, fumbling it out of bounds. Okay, if we get the ball to 20 um, we're if we if we kick a field goal there, at the bare minimum, we're down sixteen to six, which is only ten points, and you still feel at halftime like you're in the game. But when the ball was given to Kansas City and they went down and kicked the field goal, that made it 16-point differential. And now you almost feel like, okay, we've got to score every time we touch the ball. And I don't think the Browns were really ever in the game after that.
0: Not, Not really. Not really. So... So, Scott I know you're fairly new to the game but what are you thinking when you're watching this play and you see him fumble the ball and then you see that that the ball goes to Kansas City Did,
2: well or, or initially what I'm thinking is okay he fumbles the ball they, they get the ball at the one yard line because any other point in the field if you fumble out of bounds that's just the spot of the that's that's where the spot is if I'm not mistaken Uh, yeah that's the
0: pretty much the, the so so, like
2: that, yeah. uh, so, so I'm thinking, okay, cool. They got the ball at the one yard line. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. I mean, but then when uh you know the truth comes out and I learn a valuable lesson in uh, football knowledge here, um, devastated. Yeah, huge huge moment, huge momentum swing.
0: Yeah, it was it was gigantic. So. So we have the whole issue of the rule, which apparently coaches teach us, players know it, and players know it's a risk to reach the ball out there. I, uh, of course, I think the yeah. coaches tell them not to do it. Uh, it the thought is it's, that it's, uh, you know, and I've heard a few coaches talk about this that it's, um, you know, it, it's a it's a risky play to reach it out. So you're you're risking, you know, trying to get touchdown and. If you fumble, it goes out of bounds. You know that's it's a risk reward situation. So they tell guys not to do this. They do it, and so players apparently are all aware of this rule. Uh, even Richard Higgins. I mean, which I'm not going to. I'm guys. I'm sorry. I'm not going to criticize any of the Browns players. <laughs>
2: no, that's that's fair. And, and I was I was just going to say as well. Like I like Rashard Higgins. I think he had a great year and. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. So the question becomes: Does this rule need to be changed? Uh, and this is before we even go to the to the helmet to helmet contact, uh, which should have also been called and could have also changed the entire uh, you know outcome of the game as well. So, so Jeff, everybody knows about this rule in the league. Do they need to change it? You know, I I really don't understand
1: all the other potential scenarios for why this rule was put in place. Um, I'm sure that, that things must've happened in the past that, that drove them to put this rule in place, you know, where a team maybe fumbled out of the end zone on purpose or something. Um, So, you know what, the rule is the rule. You have to live with it. it. Like you said, everybody understands that it, you know, the, there's a risk-reward there. And I think um, somebody mentioned during the game that, you know, Bill Belichick even said, you know, he, he has a team rule against reaching out, you know, to put the ball across the end zone on a play like that. So, yeah, the, so, okay, the risk-reward was we're, we're down, we're really struggling to score points. You know, maybe Higgins has that in his head that, um, boy, this might be our best chance to get a touchdown right here. You know, mm-hmm. we're just, we're really struggling. So, you know, he thinks, well, gosh, I got to, I got to go for it. You can't fault a guy for that. No. Um, you know, an, an error of commission like that is just a guy trying to compete. Um, but from an NFL standpoint, I mentioned this to you during the game. I mean, I don't, I don't know how the NFL can rationalize that when fumbling the ball um, out of bounds. At any other point in the field, the team that last touched the ball retains possession where, you know, there is no there is no possession change there. You know, the the, the catch is made Higgins clearly has possession of the ball. Um, it's knocked out by the other team, not by um, a possess not by grabbing the ball, but just by a, a physical hit. There's no possession change there in my mind. Um, yeah. So, so how do you justify the fact that that the rule works differently at the end zone than it does any at any other point in the field? Um, it's one of those things that I think the competition committee has to review. But more importantly, that you know, the Browns could have recovered from that play um, if the helmet to helmet was called. And it wasn't, and it it can't be reviewed. So, So, you know, why do you put players in that position if player safety is really the number one thing and you're looking for those kinds of things specifically? How does that not get called?
0: College football reviews every single targeting call. Right. Why Do they specifically say in the NFL that they can't review helmet to helmet hits? It makes no sense because, like you said, player safety has been the number one priority in the NFL. And I mean, you look at so many different rule changes, Um, you know, a lot of rules uh, for things with the quarterback, especially, but
1: kickoffs. I mean, they've changed everything. With yeah. with the idea of reducing injuries, okay, but let but yet you let helmet to helmet contact go unreviewed, and that just
0: makes no sense to me. Yeah, to me, to me, there should be. I think they should. If they think there's helmet to helmet contact, why not make this one of those things that 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 they can send to somebody in New York or wherever the heck it is at any point in time. And, and if they think they see it, they can, they can say, hold up. We're looking at this and, and, you know, and they can make a call on it
1: or, or just let them do like they do with, with OPI and, and throw a challenge flag.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, not that they ever reverse OPI, but hopefully they would reverse this because it would be easier to, you know, to actually to see, and, you know, uh um, this was this was blatant. You know, a blatant hit. I mean, you don't get any more helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. The guy clearly, uh, Sorensen clearly lowers his helmet and hits him helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. So you can't get any more textbook than what happened on that play. It's the definition of the penalty. Right. So, so S- Scott, tell me this. If... If he's not hit helmet to helmet or if he's not hit helmet to helmet, does he hold on to that football, you think?
2: I'm not hundred percent sure he held on to it, whether he got hit on the shoulder, any other part of the body. I I, I think it does go back to the risk reward factor. Um, you know, he extended, he knew what he was doing, he knew there was potential there for it to go either way. So I'm not I'm not going to say I'm confident that uh, he holds on to it
0: if yeah. he was hit in a different manner. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that if they called the helmet the helmet hit Higgins had possession. The helmet to helmet hit happened like around the goal line. The Browns would have had a first and goal at the, you know, essentially at the two inch line probably.
2: Well, there's no doubt in my mind they score there if they if they have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah yeah so
0: I don't know um and from what I saw, Sorensen's really not getting fined for this or anything. It sounded like maybe a slap on the wrist um you know he uh he kind of looked like a hothead on some other place too. he was right in the middle of a lot of stuff um kind of kind of guy to make me not you know not really like to so much, you know. <laughs> After a shot like that. So anyways, (laughs) let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, to the next part of the game, which, uh, which was really critical, which was uh, when Patrick Mahomes got, got hurt. And I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know. Did they, did they say it was a concussion? I believe was he in the concussion protocol.
2: Yeah. Um, he was in the protocol and he's he's cleared part of the protocol was the last last I heard.
0: Okay, so he could barely even he couldn't really even stand up on his own. You know, oh, he didn't know what he didn't, he didn't know, know where he was, was Yet they had to run him through all these tests to see if he could go back in the game or not. I think everybody knew he couldn't. Okay. Right. What did you guys think when he went out? It obviously raised the Browns' chances dramatically of of competing and winning this uh, and winning this game. Did you guys kind of feel a little bit energized? I'll, I'll let you start, Scott.
2: Well, I, I would never root for any injury. That's for sure. Oh sure. Don't like yeah. to don't like to see anyone go down like that. But I, yeah, I mean, it, it increased their chances in my, in my eyes. Yeah.
0: And Jeff, would, how were you feeling when that happened?
1: Well, you know, I think my, my chances of winning went from like 10% to maybe 30%. <laughs> so I felt a little better. <laughs> but, you know, when you take the whole um, body of work um, by the Browns offense, I, I just didn't feel real good about our ability to score points. at at that point in the game when when Mahomes went out. I mean, our defense had had held um, right before halftime and and held again in the third quarter. Um, So, you know, our defense was was keeping us in the game, Um, and we did score touchdowns on our last two – well, we scored two touchdowns in the second half. Um, But it just didn't feel like we were going to be able to put enough points on the board. Just everything that happened offensively throughout the game. So I think losing Mahomes certainly made it hard for Kansas City to compete, um, but they did enough
0: to win. Yeah, yeah. And same way, guys. I I was not obviously reading or happy that Mahomes got hurt, but you're just looking at it from a football standpoint and what does this do to? you know to the Browns and their chances. Obviously the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs uh, weren't you know rooting for uh, for uh, Wills to go out on like the first play of the game for the Browns either, but it certainly increased their odds of winning when our left tackle. Geez, was goes down was that ominous on the first play? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean um you know uh, it certainly didn't help the Browns any to, to to lose to lose Wills. So um you know but you're you're absolutely right, Jeff. The the Browns defense did their job. They held Kansas City to two touchdowns and field goals. Right. On, on really, that, go ahead. On that note
2: of the Browns D, too, just want to go back to the hit and say, I mean, Mac Wilson. I've I've never known him to be a dirty player or anything. He, he follow him on Twitter. Seems like a seems like a genuine guy. Like he's in it for the team, and seemed like there was. There was no bad intent there. It was just a circumstance.
1: Yeah, I yeah I'm, I'm right. really not even sure how Mahomes got the concussion. Oh,
2: me either. Watching I was con- that over and
1: over in slow motion, you know, I, I almost thought that because Mac Wilson sort of brought him down in an arm lock, that maybe he just passed out because of you know the 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 clench around the neck. Um, that's what I was seeing at first. Um, so when they said he had a concussion, I was I was actually pretty surprised because it didn't really look like there was any really hard impact.
2: Yeah, that's that's my thoughts as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, so as we know, Kansas City has you know their offense is more than just Patrick Mahomes. They've got the they've got other weapons. They've got other other great players, and Although it didn't turn into much in points, they were still able to move the ball some, kind of keep it out of the Browns' hands. Uh, they only scored, what, six points, I think, after, after Mahomes left the game. But <laughs> those are pretty important six points. You um, go back to the defense again, and uh, uh, Browns held shoes Brown's held to three points in the second half. I don't. I don't know how much more you can ask from from the defense than that. Um, no, you can't. I tell you what, Jeff. Let me let me go. Let me get to a new topic here. Browns obviously were able to compete in this game. Uh, they had their chances. Okay. I don't want to belabor the fourth quarter. Okay. There were a couple spots where the Browns could have saved some timeouts. You know, uh, maybe tried to get the ball back again. You know, there was a question of should they go for it on fourth and nine. I I think most people agree that the punt was with five minutes left, the punt was probably uh, the right thing there. Um, That's a a damned if you do damned if you don't thing with five minutes left. You know, your defense has been playing well. I think five minutes is enough time to to punt the ball. Looking at it from a Browns perspective, what weaknesses – Specifically, did this game show that the Browns have against top competition in the league?
1: Well, I'm just going to throw this out. Um, Total rushing yards for the Browns this year, 2,374 versus our opponents, 1,773. Okay. Um, In this game the stats, we were out rushed 123 to 112 and I think most of that came on a couple of big runs by Nick Chubb in the second half. Um, yeah our inability to establish the run game in the first half and and not just not establish it but but be completely shut down, particularly on first down runs in the first half, was glaring. Um, That's, that's this team's identity. And, you know, yeah, Wills was out, but we had the rest of our starting offensive line. And, and these guys are known to be able to open holes and Mm -hmm. there was nothing there. I mean, Nick Chubb was getting the ball three, four yards deep. And I mean he was meeting two or three guys before he even ever even got to his first block. Yeah, yeah, he had
0: no chance on some of those plays.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so to me that that was the biggest surprise of this game was was the Browns utter futility in running the ball um in the first half and particularly on first downs and and that that sort of set the tone for what was going to happen in the rest of the game. Their their inability to, to run the ball um, really affects the ability to sell play action. And now it becomes, you know, Baker just trying to find guys open. And, you know, to his credit, he made some, some really tight window throws and mm-hmm. guys made some really spectacular catches. Um, I thought most of the catches in that game were... Um, on the on the difficulty scale, were toward the high end. There weren't any really easy catches in that game. Um, so, you know, going forward, um, the Browns need to figure out in in games where teams match up against them how to be able to run the football
0: for the rest of the offense to work yeah yeah and i I agree with you. Uh, question is teams expect the Browns to try to establish the run early. How do you do that when when uh, when the defense is kind of sitting on the run early? what's the best way for the browns to to kind of get things going running the ball? i To me, you kind of got you still have to mix it up at the beginning of the game a little bit in order to get the run going, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but if you look, the, the excuse me, I'm, my pretzel's going down sideways. Um, if, <laughs> the the offense was pretty well balanced, I mean, the 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 total number of plays on both sides was about equal. I mean, we had a pretty balanced attack, I thought, um, but we just couldn't be successful at it, you know.
2: Um
1: yeah. So. I I don't know if if, if I. I'm sure people are going to complain about play calling. Um, I haven't been paying any attention this week, but um, well, when you don't win, realistically, realistically, it's 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 execution. You you have to you have to block and tackle. The Browns did a terrible job of blocking, and they were almost as bad at tackling in the first half. Um, That got better throughout the game, but but. yeah, if the holes aren't there, you know, it doesn't matter who's running the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, they only had, I mean, Chubb and Hunt, they only had 19 carries. That, that's, it's not enough. You know, um, they, and wow. uh, Chubb had two, yeah. two receptions, Hunt had one, so that's three and 19. That's only 22 touches for those guys, you know, I mean it's it's not horrible but man you want to get those guys at least 25-30 touches in the game you know well and, and that's i think
1: that's the other area where we struggle okay Is we, we don't we can't run when we're behind and we can't run when we're ahead you know there's how many games this year have we gotten off to a slow start and then you know you catch back up or you make the game close or whatever and you need to possess the ball for a while and you still can't move the football. Um, that was, to me, that was what really sealed it. At the end, was our, on our last drive, we couldn't get a first down. You know, th- those are points in the ga- game at which you know you need to be able to close out a quarter, close out a half, and possess the ball. And and I just think it's the fact that, that this offense is still new. It's it's still maturing, um, and guys just don't always execute well in it, particularly in a situation like this where it's a very high stress game. You know maybe the moment was just a little bit too big for some of these guys.
0: yeah I'll, I'll let you comment on, on this Scott because I, I agree with Jeff I think I think the Browns especially early on looked like a team who was playing the defending Super Bowl champions. They were they were they made some uncharacteristic mistakes. Uh, they, uh, they you know a couple of drops. And I'm not calling guys out, but I mean Nick Chubb dropped two yeah. passes which he normally catches. And uh, there's no way I'm getting on Nick Chubb because you know, I love the guy. He had phenomenal season. Um, a lot of a lot of guys just had little mistakes like that in the game that that really just kind of made it to where the Browns just couldn't get their footing, And it just looked like a team that kind of was concerned with who they were, who they were playing.
2: Yeah. When you, when you started talking about mistakes, I knew the, the chub drops were going to come up. And I mean, online, he, in, in interviews, he's beat himself up enough over that. And I, I figured that would come up in this conversation. And yeah, it is uncharacteristic of him for sure. Um, I mean, they were playing the defending super bowl champions so yeah
0: did, did you feel like they kind of um, were you know kind of kind of felt like they were playing a better team and were kind of nervous about it or you know did you feel like that showed up in their play early on especially
2: i mean they at the end of the day they held them the 22 points so i mean i'm not sure that i would say that
0: Okay, okay. I mean, overall, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying the team played poorly. I just, I think, er, I think more, I think more near the beginning of the game when the Browns, I mean, the Browns scored three points in the first half. That Correct. is not like this offense.
2: Okay, right. They usually start strong. That's...
0: They usually start strong. Uh, you know, I just feel like they, like there was there were mistakes here and there that just kind of kept bottling them up and they just couldn't get into their into the flow of the game and I don't know if that's because they were playing the Kansas City
2: Chiefs that's entirely possible I mean I don't know among the team how many of these guys have played playoff football
0: um Well, most of them have uh, probably have one game of playoff experience heading into this game. (laughs) Right. No, there's probably a few games with a few guys with a little bit of playoff experience, but not many. Um,
2: Right. Not sure. I'm not sure. So I'm I'm sure that did factor into it a bit. And I mean, you can you can say all you want that you know who you're playing isn't going to factor into it, but I'm sure it's in the back of your mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jeff, what did this game mean for the team going forward? What can, what can they learn from it? Uh, What, uh, you know, what, what can uh, Stefanski and Andrew Berry take from it? Um, You know, and the players, you know, what positives, you know, either positives or negatives, you know, what can they use from this game to to build the team or uh, to build upon?
1: I think it's all about earning your chops in the playoffs in any professional sport. You have to get there and be there first before you can really think about excelling in a playoff environment. Um, it's very rare for a first year team, first year staff, young players, um, to go deep in the playoffs. So it, it gets us um some respect from the league um hopefully from officiating um, going forward um everybody learns from it I, I think the coaching staff learns from it the players learn from it um, and it just positions you better for the next time that you get there um you know I just I just hope it's not you know 18 years before we get there again or whatever it was um, <laughs> You know, but we're just we're just assuming we're going to get back there next year. But um, realistically, um, it was a good learning experience for everybody um, to be on a winning team, to change culture. And, and that message was consistent all year long. You know, go want to know this week. Um instill that thought process that, you know, we can compete with anybody. And I think that's really what the Browns learned in this game, even though, you know, the chiefs didn't necessarily play their best game either. The Browns learned that they can play with anybody in this league and going into next year, they, that will give them um, the confidence level to be able to go out and, and I think win from week to week, no matter who they're playing and it really does boil down to to them executing it's not you know how good or bad the other team plays it's you know if you go out and you play your game and you execute you have the talent to win on any given sunday and instilling that culture and 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 laying that foundation this year was just so critical for this organization after you know everything that's happened in the last 20 plus years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A- any additional thoughts on that, Scott?
2: I'm uh, just going to agree there. Co- confidence boost for sure. Uh, change of culture. I mean, I think Stefanski is the right guy to lead him in the next year and also keep him humble as well. I think he's the right coach to uh, keep him humble and keep the confidence going.
0: You know, I'm going to. I'm going to expound upon something that Jeff kind of uh, kind of uh, brought up there which talking about us assuming that we're just going to be back here again next season. Right. We talked we've talked a lot in this podcast and I've talked a lot about thinking that Stefanski and Barry kind of came in in my way of thinking with a two-year plan. Build the offense year one, touch the defense a little bit, and year two you touch the defense and you're ready to compete uh, for real. Um, thinking that year two would be when they would really make a big push. It's important to to see, <laughs> to remember, and to realize the growth in the NFL <laughs> in. And quarterbacks, as we've seen with Baker, and with teams, and even in life, growth is not always linear, okay? There is no—we just don't know what's going to happen next season. So we still have to— give this team a chance and realize that this is still a team that is growing, that they own, that they've played one year of football together. Okay. They may come out and win 10 to 14 games again next season. They may come out and, and have a couple of issues. Um, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, the, the, the Browns had some injury bugs this year. You just don't know how that's going to be year to year, so you just don't know. Maybe the Browns, uh, you know, maybe the Browns come out next season won one thirteen games, excellent. Maybe they come out and win nine or ten next season. Okay, it it doesn't mean that Stefanski did a worse job. It's just how things happen in the league sometimes. Depends on your schedule. It depends when you're when you're uh, playing certain teams and things like this. So fans need to realize that you can't just go by the record each year. You have to look at the overall performance and what's happening, particularly if the Browns bring in a bunch of rookies that are starting on defense next season and they're really trying to turn over a lot of the defense. The defense may not improve a lot next year if that happens. But, man, in two years, they they might be really good. So we just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll agree with that. Yeah, I'll agree with it's not always linear. Um, you know, you can't take for granted that everything falls your way. Again, um, I, it's it's hard to imagine a season next year with more adversity than this season. Right. Um, but there are certain things that that could potentially sidetrack, you know, your progress um I personally I, I don't see the team going into next year with more rookies um I would be shocked if more than you know one of our unless there's a trade and we pick up another asset i I don't see more than one member of of this year's draft class playing any meaningful um, snaps next season this this team has to be built um through free agency and trade I, I think at this point you're you're just too good on offense and and too skilled in too many places to continue to look at this as a rebuild um again i don't want to set expectation levels too high but there is a window here that you, you have to try to win in and wins were critical this year I think wins continue to be critical for the health of, of the organization. So um, they've got to find ways to plug some of these holes with players who are ready to compete next year. And if they do that and, and things get sidetracked because of something weird, um, then you just chalk it up and you say, okay, you know, it didn't work this year, but we're ready to go again next year. And, and we don't have to make wholesale changes. That, that's the biggest fear, okay, is that, you know, you go into next year and you say, well, geez, we were two games away from the Super Bowl. Um, you know, all we need are a couple of breaks to go our way. And we're going to be in the Super Bowl this year. And then suddenly, you know, the wheels come off. And, you know, everybody's saying, well, geez, you know, here we go again. So no, no, none of us wants to see that happen. So I, I think you set the expectations right. And you plug in experienced players, and you know if you get eight wins next year because there was a catastrophe, you can survive it. You know if it's ten wins and you and you lose in the playoffs again, okay, it just didn't work out this year. We've got to get out of that mindset that you know we're just looking for that one shot, that one chance, you know, that one magical year, um, and then screw the rest of the you know. The, the time, so um, it, it's it. It's got to happen in the next two or three years, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen next year.
0: What do you think, Scott?
2: Yeah, speaking of like, um, I mean, not that Greedy Williams had a ton of experience, but I mean, we are likely to get Greedy Williams back next year to help out in the secondary we? as well. As likely. From what I've been hearing, I don't
1: know. Yeah, I don't know.
2: And then hopefully, uh, I mean, rookie Grant Delpit, who was supposed to have a season this year, should be back next year as well. So that should beef up the defense a bit. Um, yeah, we, we hope.
0: I mean, both those guys coming off injuries. You, I think what Jeff's saying, you can't you can't count on those guys. I mean, uh, sure, Achilles uh, Achilles terrors can be pretty brutal. Uh, you just, you don't know for sure how guys come back. I mean, uh, you know, we hope, we hope he comes back and we, we hope well, let, Let's let's ask, the, ask the
1: question this way. Um, Olivier Vernon suffered the same injury. Yeah. Um, right. What's, what's, what's his future look like?
0: Not so Very good. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, he's, he's not um, going to be
1: back. We, we, we can never have too many defensive backs and, I think you're probably going to see more of the same next year where the Browns are going to sign guys to short-term deals to try to plug in and, and, and have that depth there. Um, yeah, you got to give greedy and, and Delpit a chance, but, um, I don't think anybody can, can write them in in pen at this point.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this sentiment's been, uh, shared a lot over the season I think is whoever wins this season will be an asterisk next to it due to you know COVID and everything that happened this year um yeah how, how would you have felt if things went in our favor and whatever I mean I, I'm sure Browns fans are gonna are gonna take whatever they can get but I mean what are your thoughts on that
0: oh if the Browns would have want a title this season sure <laughs> yes. I'm sure no one would have cared, but if anybody else wants to put an asterisk by it, that that's fine. You think you think if the if the Chiefs or the Packers or or the Bills or anybody else wants, do you think that they give a crap about an asterisk? <laughs> Nobody no, cares. I not. <laughs> they're playing. They're playing whatever, however many games it is. Twenty game. What? How? However many games they have to get there. You know, um, uh, what what uh, nineteen, twenty games to to get there and and win a Super Bowl. Right. They're Uh, just because some guys missed some time and and dealt with COVID and and there were adverse circumstances, if anything, that made it, that made it tougher on them to get there and win this title. Not easier. Sure. You know, I agree. So so who who cares? Um, I don't know, Jeff, going back to your, to what you said, I'm kind of torn on this because if you're, if you're signing guys, if you feel like this is your window and you're signing free agents and you're and you're going for it now, I feel like that goes a little bit against the thought that Stefanski and Barry are the future of this team and that these guys are going to be here for 10, 15 years or whatever. Okay, And I, I understand the window, and I understand you've got contracts Coming up for for Baker and you know and we, um, I mean we have miles for like what uh, five more years or something. Um, you know you got to see what they do with, with Nick Chubb and they've got offensive linemen to extend. But when you have a good GM and you've got a good coach and especially if they decide to, you know to um, to extend Baker eventually, then then you're in it to where you're trying to compete every year. Okay? So I think you're going to see a mix of of the draft and some critical free agents. I don't think they're going to go all in on free agency because I think they're doing this long term. And when you build a franchise right, you're trying to compete every year. You don't you don't care as much about a window. Your window is yes when your quarterback is you know in his prime. But, um, you know, I have a hard time feeling that the Browns only have a couple of years here because I'm, I'm looking at these guys hopefully being around here for a long time.
1: Well, I, that's really, I think it's a couple separate questions, but let me ask it to you this way, okay? because what you just described is, is basically the Cleveland Indians model, okay? We're going to be competitive every year. Um, but if the Browns were to win a Super Bowl in the next two to three years, Would you give a crap who the coach is after that?
2: Well, no, no, I I, (laughs) I understand what you're saying, Jeff.
0: (laughs) I understand you're talking about going for it, but you know what? They they, they've won one playoff game. Okay, Uh, there are teams that I mean, you you get to the playoffs once. It doesn't mean you're necessarily the, the top Super Bowl contender the next year. It might take you three, four more years to get there and actually win a Super Bowl. Okay, it's, it's not always that easy. So I understand. I understand what you're saying. Um, and I, I understand the window. But I also feel like the Browns may look at this and say, you know what? We think we can be here almost every year. We think we can win 10, 11, 12 games under Stefanski almost every year. Because we feel like Barry can put together a team like this consistently.
1: Hey, Rod, how old is Aaron Rodgers?
0: Um well he's like 30 37 30, I think. Yeah, 30, I was going to say 38. Yeah. 38. How many Super Bowl wins does he have? Well, I think he's got one one or one.
1: One. Yeah. One. Yeah,
0: he's going in the Hall of Fame.
1: Um one of, probably probably MVP this year. Um one of the great quarterbacks of of this generation. Um but the reality is, is you don't get many chances. And when you have a chance, you have to go for it.
0: But you have That's to know point. when your chance is, Jeff. And how close are the Browns really to well, winning uh, the Super Bowl? Right you had the last,
1: last question you asked me is, so what, what did we learn from this last game? And I said that the Browns can compete with anybody. And they can go deep into the playoffs with the personnel that they have, with the coaching staff that they have, Um, but there's a few missing pieces. Okay, so I don't look at this as a build. I think the build was four or five years ago when you tore it down to the studs and you got a bunch of high draft picks and you found your defensive end and you found your Cornerback, and you found your quarterback, and your your running back, and all those guys are there now. Okay, um, it's not like we need a bunch of real hard to find pieces at this point. Okay, we we need linebackers. You know, linebackers are are the running backs of the defense. They're 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 pretty easily acquired. We just we need some guys that have a little bit more speed and a little more tackling ability. Um, so that so much pressure isn't put on our uh, safeties all the time, you know. But um, I think this team is close to being competitive on any given Sunday um, without a whole lot of changes and a whole lot more building going on. So, great, let's let's figure out a way to go win a Super Bowl in the next few years.
0: Uh, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, and I my thought really is that they would – Uh, even before this past season, that in year two, they would build the defense. And and I'm not talking about start to build the defense, to really build it. okay? And that's probably first three picks probably on the defensive side of the ball and probably signing two to three free agents on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that's really any different from what you're saying. We have the
1: 26th pick. Is that right? This year? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Which is, I mean, that's essentially what, David and Joku? Um,
0: um, somewhere around there,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember what pick he was picked, But what I'm saying is, is, you know, it's not like where we've had high picks in the past where you anticipate guys coming in and, and being contributors right away. Um, low first rounders are, you know, they're not stars typically. You know, they're they're every down contributors if if you're lucky. Um but I I think it's unrealistic to expect us to find guys in the draft that are gonna be able to compete on you know for for playing time on this team in the next two to three years. There's gonna be guys that you're gonna take in the second, third, fourth round that you know are gonna be Sione Taki Taki or Matt Wilson you know I don't, I don't think we you know unless we just suddenly hit the lottery and find a guy um I don't think we can fix the issues on this team that way
0: yeah well um you know I, I a couple of things I think you know some of these drafts are getting deeper and deeper uh, for one thing and uh we're not really letting Scott talk here much, but uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the whole off uh, season to talk about what, what's coming next year.
2: I'm just, uh, I'm just enjoying the conversation. Go ahead, guys. I, but I will say, uh, David <laughs> David and Joku came up previously, and I did want to mention. I thought he had a great game last Sunday. Uh, had had a few nice catches, and uh, it's good to see him involved.
0: More
1: importantly, um, if you look at the AFC North. We're in the mix next year.
2: Absolutely, to
1: win, to win the yeah. division. Yeah, we I had, we're in the mix yeah, to I had win no the division. About that. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, I, I you think, said this to
0: me too. Uh, that all three, all three teams, you know, all three uh, AFC North teams, kind of bowed out. Uh, you know, Steelers first, then the Browns, and the Ravens. So yeah, we're definitely in the mix. What's what's that say about the AFC North guys? That nobody advanced to the to the championship game.
1: Yeah, uh, I said maybe we're not as good as we think we are.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, if you look at if you look at Pittsburgh, um, they've got some real issues going into next year.
2: Um, how many how many free agents do they have? Over twenty. They've <laughs> and got and some
1: real real issues going into it's next year. It's a bundle. Um, and they, yeah, got it.
0: An old quarterback who I don't know if he's going to play again or not. Um,
1: I I have a feeling that assuming uh, Joe Burrow comes back and and they give him a couple of pieces on the offensive line, um, I, I make a prediction right now that Cincinnati probably has more wins than Pittsburgh next year. So it really boils down to us and the Ravens. And I love the fact that the Bills showed the formula for beating Lamar Jackson,
0: everybody needs to watch that. <laughs> I mean, watch the coach, that
1: game the all offseason.
0: Just yeah. watch that game yeah.
1: every week, and and prepare a game plan and build your personnel so that we can go stop the guy.
2: So injure the quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: yeah, no, just no, mess, no, just joking around. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> not an injury, but. Um, No, they, I mean, they were able to really shut Lamar down by making him a passer. And, you know, if we can do that same thing that, you know, that those two games really will, will determine whether we win the division or not
0: next year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and Jeff, I want to just go back to the draft again and just real quick, because I don't want to talk a whole bunch about this because we're going to talk about it on future shows, but. It's not only about where you pick, it's about who's making the picks. And sure. Andrew Berry is a whole heck of a lot better, at least from the very small sample size and what we think we've seen so far. Uh, we, I, I'm not going to pretend uh, to be able to judge a draft class after one year. Uh, I'm not going to do that. But we got uh, the Browns got. Um, contributions from a lot of guys throughout this draft class over the course of this, this season. Um, you know, Harrison Bryant was a fourth round pick. He, he played, had some nice catches. Um, you know, if the, if the rounds weren't, didn't already have two tight ends that played a lot, you know, um, if he went to a team that needed a tight end, he probably would have played a lot more. Um, Nick Harris, fifth round pick played some, um, People's Jones, sixth round pick, had some had some really uh, um, had some big catches for the Browns over the course of the year. So mm-hmm. maybe you don't get guys that are uh, you know stars right away. But man, if you can pick up a couple guys like that, and I know that the Browns probably are not going to add six or seven rookies this season. Right, they're probably at this point where you know where they may consolidate picks they may only make 4 or 5 picks or they may um, some of the picks may end up on the practice squad i think i think they will find guys that will fit in that they will need and use
1: I, I agree i think you know you got to give props to andrew berry for what he did in the draft i mean shout out to big jed and harrison bryant both being named to the uh, all rookie team today I'm not sure when the last time the Browns had a fourth round pick named to the all rookie team was. Maybe never. Um, Probably, huh? So, yeah, and you're right. A lot of those guys played, you know, played significant downs and, and made nice contributions. Um, so, you know, great. I, I think everything has to be on the table, though, um, to fill the holes this year. Um, if that happens, you know, great. We, 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 have every reason to believe that this team will will win consistently next year. We'll be in the playoffs, um, but most importantly, we've solved that whole issue of you know who's going to do what and 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 you know, do we have the right people? And we can get out of this mindset of oh well you know we got to give them time and we because that's really I think where you're still coming from Rod is that you're thinking you know we we've, we've got to commit to somebody long term because that's what's going to fix us well the reality is is that this year fixed us we just don't realize it yet the fans are still waiting for the other shoe to drop okay it was fixed
0: this year now we need to start I acting think- like
1: a normal team
0: I, I agree, Joe. What if the Browns do go nine and seven next year? What are, how are the fans going to react and miss the playoffs? The fans, the fans <laughs> need to get over themselves. No, I agree with you. I agree totally. I agree totally. Well, guys, we've been uh, we've been going probably way too long here. <laughs> I should probably watch the time a little bit closer, but uh, but Scott uh, during the been great talking to you at least in the first part of the show when when we let you talk more. Um, oh
2: no, no worries. I was uh, just just happy to uh, listen along and get a new perspective.
1: Sorry, Scott. I told you at the beginning I was a little preachy tonight.
2: You, you I was warned. That is fair. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah no he, worries.
0: Uh, he followed through on that and <laughs> Scott, I want to I want to give you uh, give you some time here to uh, give us any closing remarks, any thoughts, anything you want to leave the Browns fans with.
2: Yeah, just optimistic for the next year. Uh, want to give a shout out to uh, Tyler, Jordan, and Ross Mason for inviting me into the uh, Cleveland Browns family, taking me to a couple games. Uh, you know, just uh, happy happy to be a part of the club and uh, looking forward to next year.
0: And, Excellent. Uh, yeah.
2: Go ahead. All right. That's all.
0: Excellent. Uh, Jeff, any, any closing words? Well, I'm, I just want to throw out one more thing.
1: Uh, we mentioned how three teams from the AFC North made it to the playoffs this year. Um, in addition to that, the three teams that whose franchises originated in the city of Cleveland all made it to the playoffs this year. In fact, to the second round of the playoffs this year. Uh, The Cleveland Rams, the Baltimore Ravens, who were the original Browns, and the new Cleveland Browns, all made it to the playoffs this year. Um, So I think it's safe to say at this point that the curse is dead.
0: I think you're right. All right. A new age has dawned, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun. This has been the Browns Blitz.